And I'll tell you, Friday night, this past Friday night, Friday Night Alive, we did have a fantastic message that we listened to. And uh, thank you, Cindy, for bringing that up again. But it was just a fantastic message. We're menders. We are menders. The ministry of menders. We need to do some mending. And uh, wasn't as much about mending our own lives as mending other people's lives. But sometimes our own lives need a little mending too. Amen. But we appreciate that message. <clears throat> and uh, Brother Veer called me on Saturday and said, I didn't get to see you before service was over. I was tied up. But he said, uh, I just appreciate you and love you. And uh, I told him at that time that he uh, did a good job. I said, you did a good job on that message. I don't know about your next one, but that one was pretty good. Amen. <clears throat> Today I'm looking at a, a, a message that God has been dealing with me on, uh, on worship. And uh, it's the obedience is worship. Obedience. That's the keynote to worship, is obedience. And if we learn obedience, you know, from the smallest child, you start learning obedience. And sometimes when I look around at some of these young children today, I don't think they're paying attention when they're being taught obedience. <laughs> or maybe they're not being taught. But obedience is that one thing sooner or later that you have to um, be in subjection to, obedience. But I want to talk to you today about obedience is worship. And I want to start in the book of St. John, the fourth chapter, verse number 24, that says, God, God is a spirit. And I want you to notice the capital letter in spirit. And they that worship him must worship him, a small s spirit, and in truth. So we have the same word, spirit, one in capital letters, one in a small letter. So why do we have the difference? Because God is a spirit. Until he came down and was born of his mother Mary and became flesh walked on the face of the earth but God is still a spirit regardless God is still a spirit and he dwells within us today or should I say he can dwell within us but my question with this scripture to many, many people over my years of ministry, 
is how do you worship God in spirit and in truth? In truth is not too hard to understand. We need to know the truth of God in order to worship him. But in order to worship him, we need to know what that word worship really means. And it means obedience. It's obedience is worship. And when we look at this scripture, God is a spirit. They that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. Now the word, I don't care where you look it up, if you want to choose Webster or Thorndike or any other dictionary, or if you want to go to the Hebrew or the Greek, and you want to look up spirit, the first thing you're going to find is that it means breath. But when it is a capital S, it simply means the Spirit of God, which it has been said over and over and over that God is in the wind. There's a song about God is in the wind. But God isn't just in the wind. God is the God of the wind. Hallelujah. You see, He's the master of all things because He created all things. God as a spirit today is the Holy Ghost that lives within us. It walks within us. It talks within us. It leads us. It guides us. But when we come to the part of the scripture that says, they that worship him must worship him in spirit. That's in your breath. We need to take our breath that we speak. We need to use it for the praises and for the honor and for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Everything that hath breath. Thank you, Sister Crane. It thrills my heart and soul to hear people talk about witnessing and God dealing with them about witnessing But when we worship God in spirit and in truth, we learn about God as we travel this road. We learn what is truth and what is not truth. We learn what is routine and what is not routine. Sometimes I feel like in some church services that I sit in, that the things that go on are just, Routine. They're not really coming from the heart. But friend, when you when you get to the place of letting your heart speak through your vocal cords that God has given to you, then you're becoming what God wants you to become and you begin to worship Him through the obedience of of God's word, what God told us to do in the scripture. Praise him, magnify his name, 
Lift up his name. Hallelujah. See, you worship God because you're obedient to God. So then I go to a few scriptures, three of them in the book of St. John, the fourth chapter, verse tw- beginning at verse 21. This is, you'll recognize the story. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. The hour is coming, Jesus said, that the things that you do out of obedience, you're no longer going to do them here or in Jerusalem. Now watch what he says. Ye worship, ye know not what. You're obedient to do those things over and over as a custom. A lot of times I think people, when one stands in the church and then another and then another and then another and before you know it, the whole church is standing, do we do it out of routine or do we do it because we love Jesus Christ? Watch what he said. You know... Ye know, we know what we worship for salvation, deliverance, is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, in verse 23, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. See, Jesus said, My Father, which is the Spirit, which is God, He seeks. In other words, He's reaching out for people to worship Him, to be obedient to Him. When we become obedient to God, then He pours out his blessings on us. Hallelujah. I enjoyed the song that Sister Cindy sang today. It's one of my favorites. Because there's a lot of old relics laying around. But sometimes we think they're just old relics. But when the master touches them, it becomes a value. I tell you, sometimes you think you're worthless. Sometimes you think, well, my life is of no value to God. But when God reaches down and touches you, you become valuable in the kingdom. You have a purpose in the church. If we'll only just look to God for that purpose. I've said all this today to bring us to a text that I want to deal with in Genesis, the 22nd chapter, beginning at verse number 1. And we'll be going clear through to verse 18, so stay with me. 
asked, after these things that God did tempt Abraham, said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Now I've always been told that God don't tempt. But when the Bible uses the word tempt here, and you look it up in the Hebrew, you'll find out that it means to test or to prove. So God does not tempt you, listen to a, word, to a scripture in the book of James, the first chapter, verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now that word tempted there means enticed to do wrong. Now watch what it says. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. See, God does not tempt you, but when the interpreters began to interpret the scripture, this was the best choice of words that they had in the English language. That's why they used the word tempt. But it means in the Hebrew to test or to prove. God puts you through some test. He will prove you right or wrong. He will test you to see if you are really sincere with him. See, God will test your faithfulness. He will test your loyalty. He will test your devotion. He will test your dependability. God will test you. He will want to see if you can stand in the time of trouble, the time of, of hard times. I think so forcibly of the times that beset us and the times that are in front of us today. Now in this Ohio Valley, there's several hundreds of people that's losing their jobs because of the hospitals shutting down. Some will have to move away to get other jobs. Some will get jobs in this area. Some won't be able to continue in their profession. But friend, I'm here to tell you something today. This is only a beginning Hard times are going to be upon us. Before it's over, we're going to wonder, are we going to be able to afford a loaf of bread, a gallon of milk? Are we going to be able to afford to put some meat on our table? Are we going to be able to sit down at our own table and collect enough things to have to eat? Right now, I don't think any of us are starving to death. Just look at us and you can tell. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? But the time is coming when things are going to be rough, things are going to be tough. How much of God do you really have? How much of God is he going to let us go through some tests to see if we're going to hold faithful to him or whether we're going to back up on him and do something that we shouldn't do oh my God Abraham answered God 
Behold. What do you mean, behold? Look upon me, Abraham said. Just look on me. Here I am. God, you can look upon me. Here I am. See, God wants to use you. And when he calls you, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Yes, I might have to travel. Yes, I might have to go here. I might have to go there. I might even have to knock on somebody's door that I don't want to knock on. But God, here I am. I'm yours, God. Whatever you want, I'm here. Verse number 2 in this 22nd chapter of Genesis, he goes on and he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I tell thee. Can you imagine? I want you to stop and think just for a moment of time. Most of us in here has had children. Could you? How could you possibly deal with something like that? God looks down and he says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to take him and offer him for a burnt offering. God, are you for real? Are you really for real, God? But Abraham never complained. Abraham never murmured. You know what he did? He obeyed. Oh, God. I want you to look at the scripture with me in Luke, the 14th chapter, verse number 26. If any man come to me... now. Look at this strong. If any man come to me, this is Jesus speaking, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, ye and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't know about you, but I want you to know that's a powerful scripture. In other words, Jesus is speaking, and he said, look, that's a strong word, that word hate. You've got to hate your mama. You've got to hate your daddy. You've got to hate your brothers and your sisters. And you even got to hate your own self, or you can't be my disciple. That's pretty powerful. Then how can we be a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know, I love my mama. You love your mother, your daddy, your brothers, your sisters. But that's not the interpretation of the scripture. See, this word hate is a strong word. But also, again, in the Greek, they go into length explaining to you that it's a separation point. That you have to be in a state of mind 
when you come to God, it's God number one. In our entire life, it's God number one. Everything we go to do, everything we go to say, everything we stand up for, it's got to be about God. Now that means if, if your daddy gets in the way, if your mommy gets in the way, if your brothers, if your sisters, even if yourself gets in the way, you've got to put it aside because God is number one. Hallelujah. You see, it's not that I hate my mother, I don't want to see her, my daddy, my brothers, my sisters, and even myself. No, it means a separation period. I have got to separate myself from all of my family when it comes time to serve God. I've got to be in a state of mind that God is number one in my life. When we reach that point in life, then we can say, I'm ready to do something for God. I'm ready. God, I'm ready to do something for you. Hallelujah. Let me go on a little bit more here. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem Worship the Father. Ah. I turned too many pages. I'm on verse number three of that 22nd chapter of Genesis. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, And he cleaved the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Total, total obedience. 100% total obedience. Watch. Abraham, he got up, the Bible says, early. He wasn't a late sleeper, but he got up early in the morning and he made all the preparations. He took the wood and and he split some of it and got it all the right length and everything that he could bundle it up and get ready. He made all the preparations. Got all the preparations ready before the devil started attacking him. Sometimes... You know, we get in a, in a place in our lives that the devil starts attacking us. And we want to fight back at the devil. Just leave the devil alone. And just start talking to God. Because God will give you the way out. Total obedience from Abraham. Is it possible for us to imagine the thoughts that Abraham had? Walking for two days. He walked up and down hills and across the valleys to get to his destination that God told him to go to. 
Sometimes I wonder when the devil afflicts us and we start, this is Dan Nelson. Dan Nelson starts saying, what in the world's wrong with me? You know, I had pneumonia here a couple of weeks ago. Why do I have pneumonia? I've never had pneumonia in my entire life. My wife can tell you all the stories that I told her. Why? Why me? I don't want it to be you, but why me? Have you ever been there? You know, why me? Why am I sick? I mean, I'm pretty regular about coming to church. Yeah, I don't stay home and watch the babies. I don't stay home and take care of everything else that needs taken care of. I'm pretty regular about coming to church. I'm pretty good about paying tithes and offerings. God, why me? Why am I sick? Well, I got a little test for you to see if you're going to stand true. I want to find out if you're going to be faithful with your prayers, with your word, with your studying. I want to see if you're going to do what you said you was going to do. It's testing time. It's testing time. Oh, hallelujah. Then we jump down to verse number five. And Abraham said, well, I skipped verse number four. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place far off. In verse number five, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder. Now watch what he's going to do. He's going to go yonder to the place that God told him to go. And what's he going to do? He's going to worship. But when the worship is over, I'm going to come back to you again. See, Abraham, he knew what God told him to do. See, your worship is your obedience to God. When we get to the place that we're obedient to God, God said in his word to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Now, when we do that, we're being obedient to God. We can't get any more until we do that. When we do that, then God will give you more. And he'll keep giving you more to do. But you have to do the first things first. You want your life to change? God can change your life. But see, Abraham, as he said these things, you stay here, you uh, you couple of men, and I'm going to take my boy. Now, a lot of people think that this boy was some little kid, but he wasn't. Josephus and other writers say that he was in his mid-20s, 25 is the number they use. But a lot of writers are saying that he could have been from 19 to 20s, somewhere in that neighborhood. I don't care. <laughs> he took his boy, and they went to worship 
And you know what? The boy was as obedient as daddy was. Because he didn't fight his daddy, he went with him. And they went to the place that God told them to go. See, Abraham was remembering. I, I can't help but believe that he was remembering what God told him. See, go with me to the book of Genesis, the 17th chapter, verse number 19. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. This is the one that Abraham had with him. And God said, take him up on the mountain and offer him a burnt sacrifice. And to give a burnt sacrifice, you've got to kill him and then burn him. Now watch. And here in Genesis 17 and 19, he said, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed all. How's he going to have any seed if you're going to kill him? See, Abraham knew what God had told him. Look, I'm going to take my boy. I'm going to take him up on the mountain because God told me to. But I will return. <laughs> my boy and I are coming back. Oh, friend, listen. You start out by repenting, being baptized in Jesus' name. You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But where do you go after that? What do you do now? What am I going to do? Listen in verse number 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. He laid it upon Isaac. In other words, he tied it up on his shoulders. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake to Abraham, his daddy. And he said, my father... And he said, here am I. I'm right here. What do you want, son? And he said, behold. In other words, look upon the fire. I, I can see the fire. He said. And I, I can see the wood. But I don't see the lamb for the burnt offering. And verse number 8 says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham, the first thing he did was build an altar. You can't have a sacrifice without an altar. Hallelujah. I said you can't have a sacrifice We all have great expectations throughout life. 
We all have great things that we want to do. We have things that are dear to us. You know, I, I guess in my life, I always wanted to fly an airplane. And God made it possible that I became a pilot. Got my license and flew somewhere around 4,000 hours. It was exciting. Then I wanted to do different things. Always wanted to do things with my hands, you know, make things, produce things. And God has made that possible. I've done a lot of things throughout my life. On my computer, I've got a whole library of machines that I have built and things that I have done. And I've got several patents under my name and the company's name. But I have one patent under just my name because of things that God has let me do. But none of that means anything if you don't have Jesus in your life. See, it's very important to understand what I'm telling you today. Abraham being the man that he was, he was willing to do whatever God told him to do, even to the sacrificing of his son, his only son. But in the back of his mind, He was thinking, how can my son, his seed, multiply? How can he take this covenant of God and have it forever if I'm going to take him up on this mountain and sacrifice him? So he tells his son, he says, look, son, God will provide a lamb. For the burnt offering. He will supply the need when the time comes. Hallelujah. Listen, friend. We go as we hurry along here in verse number 10. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. In verse number 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham... Abraham and he said again here am I right where you told me to be God here I am I'm right where you told me God to be you see I'm obedient to you God are you right where God told you to be today oh friend listen to this Am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing everything that God wants me to do? Have I prayed about what I'm doing? Have I fasted a little bit? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Oh, listen, friend. As I look at John 4, 21 through 23. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. 
Ye worship, ye know not what. Ye know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. See, God wants his people to do what they're supposed to do. That's worship. When you come to church, you don't have to have the Holy Ghost to lift your hands. You don't have to, you, you don't have to go down in that water in Jesus' name to lift your hands. Just start doing what God told you to do. And when you do what God wants you to do, He's going to put a burden on your heart that you're going to do something else that God wants you to do. But the devil's business is to say, you can't worship God because you're not a member of that church. You can't do this. You can't do Who said I couldn't do it? All I got to do is lift my hands and praise and worship God. And he will be true to me when I need him. Verse number 12. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad. Neither do thou anything unto him for no for now I know that thou fearest God see the test the test is now there Abraham I now know that you fear God see God wants to know for sure that you're what you say you are when we get Sick and afflicted. Do we still call on God? I know without a doubt. My wife, maybe she got tired of hearing me say, Oh, Jesus, when I was sick. Because I constantly said, Oh, Jesus. Sometimes sitting at night just in the living room. Oh, Jesus. Because my mind is thinking, Oh, God. Please help us. Help our church, Lord, to come alive for you. Lord, I want to see souls baptized in Jesus' name. I want to see them filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like your word says. Oh, listen, friend. We look at this thing. Abraham passed the test. That God put him through. He said, I know thou fearest God now. What kind of test will God put us through to see if we are faithful and true? Will we pass the test or will we fail the test? He's going to test you. He will test you. He wants to Prove that you're what you say you are. You say you love God. You say you trust God. You say you want Him to be your God. Do you? When He puts you through the test, are you still going to call Him Jesus? Are you still going to call Him your God? In verse 13, as I 
run through these last few scriptures. Come right on with the music. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, and offered him up for the burnt offering in the stead of his son. See, can you imagine the feeling that Abraham had when all of a sudden, come on, and he turns around and Here he looks, was. there's my sacrifice. I knew my God is real. Amen. I knew my God was true. Amen. I knew my God was delivered. I knew that God would perform what he said he would perform. I knew he would do it. I knew it. Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said by myself have I sworn saith the Lord for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son thy only son that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess thy gate of his enemies if there's ever a scripture I want you to hear it's the last one Listen to this one. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Why? Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Friend, when you as a mom, you as a dad, you as a son, you as a daughter, whatever the case may be, when you obey the voice of God, others will be blessed. But the blessings won't come until you obey the voice of God. Shall we stand?